Good morning, good morning, River City family. Welcome to service. How's everybody doing today? There's three of us awake. That's good news. I'm right there with you. I woke up this morning and I was like, it was one of those days you had to choose to go to the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 We all have been there. It's okay. There's no shame. Uh, so this morning, uh, if you're new here, welcome. We like you already. My name is Becca. I'm the worship and media director here. Um, and I'm going to invite you to stand with us as we read our lex- lectionary passage from Psalm 67 this morning. Let's take a big, deep breath. We're not in a hurry this morning. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way would be known upon the earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase, God. Our God has blessed us. May God continue to bless us. Let all the ends of the earth revere him. So this morning we're going to be singing some songs about being awake to God, which if you're asleep this morning, this is your invitation. You don't have to muster up energy. That's not what we're asking. I found that being awake to God for me looks like just being Uh, thankful for who he is, for his faithfulness and choosing to lean into the things that I've known him to be. So if you want to be awake to God a little bit more this morning, this is your invitation. As we sing all these songs, just press in just a little bit. Thank God for what he's done in your life. So Jesus, we thank you for who you are, who you've been, and who you will continue to be. We come today to experience your presence For those of us that came in tired, we ask that you would wake us up, whether that's physically, emotionally, spiritually. Holy Spirit, we invite you today to wake us up. Would you open our eyes to see you at work in the world around us and our neighbors? This morning, Jesus, we lay every bit of apathy down. And we say that you're faithful, you're worthy of our time and attention. You are faithful and you are worthy of our time and attention. You are worthy of our praise this morning. Make yourself known amongst us, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Let's worship.
the persecuted church around the world, the people who are not fortunate and blessed enough to gather freely in your name, God. And we pray specifically this morning that you would outstretch your hand and would you provide protection and comfort to those your children gathering in spite of danger they've counted the costs and they're saying yes anyway god would they know that there are people around the world who are praying for them and with them would you turn the hearts of government officials of the police officers who are trying to stand in the way of gatherings would you turn their hearts towards you they come to know you. Would you open their eyes to your love for them? Bring safety and protection and comfort. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You hear us calling, you hear us calling, in it. We pray specifically for those in Ukraine. As the war continues and as more and more time goes by, may we not be a people easily to forget. May we be on our knees interceding before your throne on behalf of your people. God, would you in your mercy, would you step in? Would you bring an end to the war? Would you allow a peace agreement to happen? Would you allow the enemy to retreat? And would you stretch your hand over Ukraine and all the refugees that are fleeing? God, would you be with them, aid them? with the surrounding countries as they're absorbing the refugees would you give them all the resources they need to love their neighbors well and may it be a reminder to us that we would love our neighbor well whoever they may be god in your mercy hear our prayer
God, would you show up in every single child's home and would you make the church neighboring those children aware of their need? Would you send advocates on the children's behalf? Would you send resources to them? And would you stock our food pantries? And would you stock our community resources? And would you stock our our churches to be your hands and your feet? That we would tangibly, practically love these children well, specifically this summer. Give us avenues and very simple ways their daily needs would you increase our awareness of the needs of the people around us and may we be willing to be uncomfortable and inconvenienced to be your children in action God in your mercy hear our prayer dictator of these months ahead. Would your grace and your comfort and your peace invade them. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer.
Bill, if you could pull that um, graphic up of the youth and youth leaders going to, so you're going to see this bef- a, pr- a pretty good amount before youth camp. Um, the reason why there's kind of a strong push towards this this year is we have a the largest role we've ever had in the youth camp. This kind of travels from church to church and leadership and our network. This year, I have the opportunity to be the the on-site pastor and to preach in the mornings, and I'm very excited about it. Um, I was a youth pastor for a long time. I didn't have the energy to stay in it, so I'm a little nervous about that, but it's going to be good. But we just want you guys to pray over these names. We're going to put this on our prayer wall. If you're not a part of the prayer wall, I'd love to invite you. We'll also email it to you. But these are the people as of yet going either leadership or youth going or pre-campers, which are kids of people helping serve. And so if you do know someone who would benefit from this, it's an amazing en route to community, especially for young young people. Um, my daughter goes, my son will go this year, and there's around 500 total people that go, so it's, it's a lot, it's very good. Uh, and it's seven to eight churches that are all together, so it kind of allows kids to not just be about their own church, which I think is very important within the body of Christ to recognize that God's doing lots of stuff in lots of churches. And so pray about it. Um, some of you are even being stirred in this moment about coming to help serve, and I'm just saying that without even knowing if, it, if it's true. But if you desire to do that, it would be great. You get to pour into people's lives, and it's a lot of fun. And so, all right, so moving on. We have a lot of like pre-message stuff today, and some of it's really great. The first part is we've had five prayers we've prayed over the last four to five months. These prayers have been heard about so much over the last few months, and I'll just crank through them really quickly. Continued culture of discipleship with a deep hunger for God. You can go to the next one. Staff additions, we prayed, we've been praying for all year. You can go to the next one. Lease, longevity, and location in Smyrna. We've got tons of answers on that one. You can go to the next one. Um, how to use the upstairs space. You're in the upstairs space right now after Smyrna transition after Smyrna Prep transitions out on the 31st, which is coming this month. They'll be right across the hall for anyone who's connected to that school. They will still be alive and breathing well on the other side. Uh, And then the Ukraine. We continue to pray for Ukraine. So I'm pleased to tell you today there have been answers to at least three of these prayers. So that's, that's great. The first one is, this came so rapidly and so awesomely that I was a little bit shook this week by it. And through Leslie, who has been really working with our real estate since the beginning. Leslie, can you just raise your hand really quick? I think I, think I spelled Ashley's last name wrong. And, she, and That's right. Yes. All right. So I met with Ashley's a friend with Leslie, also works at Racetrack with her, but has done this work before. She is going to be our lead rep in lease negotiations. Huge deal for us to do this right now, especially because of what's happening out here and because we feel like we are still supposed to be in this space for our future. We feel like it's very important. And so you can just thank God right now. That'd be good. Think Tank Night is actually Think Tank Lunch, and that's going to be happening on June 5th, and that's what are we going to do with this space. So if you, if you want to dream with us about how to use a church space during the week, which is a big goal of ours, there's already lots of ideas, but this is just a lunch to hang out, have conversation, and start moving in the direction of possibilities. So that's that day. You can put it in your calendar if you'd like to be a part of that. It'll be a lot of fun. And the next one's really just so fantastic. And thank you all for praying. 
there was about a month and a half of meetings and interviews and seeking and we believe that God has led us to Bess Forrester, who was actually a part of our body. But if you want to go ahead and come up. <laughs> Didn't know that was going to be up there. It's up there. But that's a thing that happens often. Yeah, it's great. So she's our new director of hospitality. So thank you. Yeah. I want to say this as you're up here. For those that have stepped in in the past three months, led really by Abby. Is Abby in here? Yeah. You've done such an amazing job, and you've loved people so well in the interim season, really gone above and beyond what I thought could happen, and I just want to say thank you to you and your whole team. You've changed the face of it, and really set it up for best to come in. So I sent you some questions. Would you like me to ask them to, or you just want to, you just want to run with it? I can ask them. I'll just run with it. Okay, Yeah, cool. it's great. All Thank right. you to Abby. I asked Abby for a 15-minute SOS phone call last night, and it turned into a 30-minute, so thank you for that to kind of get ready for today. Um, the questions that Josh asked, a little bit about me and my family, that's us on the picture. Um, Bobby, my husband, and our one-year-old Willow. Um, you'll see her around, I'm sure. But uh, we are from Georgia. From I grew up in Dublin. Bobby grew up in Bainbridge, and then we were in Athens for about eight years before moving to Portland, Oregon, where we've been for the last three and a half years. Uh, moved to Smyrna almost three months ago now, and have been at River City since. So yes, I am probably just as new as some of the new people. <laughs> so what a better way to get to know people. Um, I want to go ahead and apologize in, in advance if I've asked you if you're new and you've been here for eight years. So that's going to happen a lot, and that's okay. We'll just keep doing it. I asked Josh if we could have a church directory, you know, old school style where you pose with your family. It'll, it'll be in the works. We'll talk about it. Um, other question was, what, uh, what are some things I'm passionate about? Um, I had kind of like my, um, I was going to say my church answers, but they're all kind of sacred to me. So important to me are that people know that they can hear God and that he wants to talk to us, um, that he has opinions about our life and that he really cares for us. Uh, second thing is that our physical bodies are really important, and I love to create whole and well-being, and um, not just for our mental and spiritual health, but our physical health as well. Um, looking at you, Emily Gray and Orange Theory Fitness, thank you for your time. Here's my money. Um, <laughs> the other thing that I'm passionate about is sharing food. I love when Debbie and Houston were talking about breakfast. I was like, I'm moved to tears over breakfast. So uh, I think that food can be a really special way to um, yeah, invite people and to get to know one another. So if you want to come over for dinner, if you want us over for dinner, I'll always say yes. Thank you for that. Um, or just go grab lunch or coffee. We have both worked in coffee in the past, Bobby and I, so we can also be passionate about a cup of coffee. Um, other question was, what are my hopes and visions for hospitality? Um, obviously, there's so many things that are already in place here. Uh, stepping into this role in a church that already does it really well is awesome. <laughs> Set me up really well. Uh, I think that every Sunday we've been here, we've been greeted by or invited to something by someone in the body. So thank you already. It feels like that's just part of the culture here. And I'm really excited about that. Um, I think a hope and a vision is that everyone who ends up visiting or coming in would feel like they fit here or like there's space for them to feel like they could be family at some point. Um, also that maybe at some point our body could really embody and reflect what our city looks like, uh, really becoming like part of the city, which I'm learning too. We're pretty new here. 
Um, last question, Josh, was how can you pray for us? Uh, yeah, we're new here. So <laughs> all that happens with that, we're also one year into parenting. So please pray for us um, just to feel settled, to feel like we have vision and purpose in being in Smyrna and being in this body. Uh, we're really excited. And also, yeah, just a lot of new things going on. So we're going through all the tensions and growing pains. So if you'll just pray for us to have, yeah, vision and purpose. Thanks, y'all. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Can you come up? So we're just going to pray over you guys right now. Um, if you guys want to jump in with what they're doing, we can just come talk to them today. This is, this is them. So this is how you do it. So if you reach your hands this way, if you're comfortable with that. Um, Jesus, I just thank you so much for answering prayer and for not requiring perfection from us as we step into ministry but just asking us to follow you and to go at your speed and to walk with you. And in that, we get to serve. And so I pray that the service that comes from Best for Hospitality really comes from a place of wholeness and comes from a place of joy and that you would surround her with all the right people that you've brought here to jump into this, to deepen it and strengthen it. And I pray that they would actually not just be people who work here, but really are formed here, who are deepened into your life as they work here. And so those things don't have to be separate, working in a church and being healthy. And so we just pray that that would be a norm here, especially for them. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Good stuff. Um, last thing is we're still looking for City Kids Director. Jessica will be stepping off at the end of the month. And we are full going after a full-time position. And if you have somebody that you would like to send this to, you can find it on our website. If you would like to apply for it, you can find it on our website. If you would like to pray for it, you can just do that without going to our website. That would be great. But we really believe, especially for all the ministries, but children's ministry is, there's a couple things that can happen in Southeast United States with kids' ministry. One of the things I don't want to have happen is for us to create a Disneyland experience that keeps our kids inundated until they're 18 and then they're like, well, am I ready for life? And so one of the things we do want is to foster depth even in kids and to invest in them things that will actually be helpful as they transition outside of this. So that looks like a lot of times there's kids in here. A lot of times people are, it's, it looks like more together than not together. But we also know that God has called certain people to these roles and that we want God to bring the right person. And so formation for me is incredibly important. And when I think about the investment that I want to see happen in everyone's kids from birth to 18 to even adults, right? My ETS group, it's, we're all ages. But I see the same things that are needed. And it's interesting how for most of us, some of the things spiritually that for the early church would have just been how they do life together, we all have to relearn. We're taught very little about formation. Uh, we're very uncomfortable with the inner world of our lives a lot of times as Christians. We know how to look for the future and dream and have vision, and we know how to build things maybe and get something together, but how do you deal with things like calling or disappointment or celebration or I have needs that need to be met or a relationship that's actually actively happening. These are spaces that the history in, our, in, our, in Christianity did pretty well. And then over time, especially after the Enlightenment, it, it really kind of fizzled for us. And so 
When I think about what we've been focusing on here, a praying life, I think also about this thing I've been doing with my kids, that this is just randomly going to be talked about at this point. And you're going to have to, I guess, sit through it unless you want to leave, which I don't want you to leave. But I had this kind of come to Jesus meeting with myself in that I was good at providing things for the church that would probably help people be formed. But at times, I wouldn't think through those things for my kids. I don't know why this happened, honestly. It almost happened naturally that I would know how to do it better for here than I do for my own kids. So at the beginning of this year, I started praying that God would help me to figure out if, if I have one of my kids who's Alethea back there, she's really happy right now that I'm talking about her. You can just raise your hand and do a little dance and just look at me like that. It's great. <laughs> so we have her for, she's 13. We have her for another five years. My next one is 12. We have her for six years. The next one is Nava. We have her for seven years. So I, I've been challenged that in that framework of time, what are the things that would be helpful for someone that age to actually leave a house with? And I've been actually really interested that I didn't have a good framework for even how to do it. And as I've talked to people, no one really had those things done. So it's made me really uh, excited to possibly think through it. It's made for a lot of uncomfortable conversations. We had a two and a half hour meeting at our house last week, a family meeting where we talked about finances, uh, budgets, really fun to do with nine-year-olds. It's great. They love talking about budgets. We taught them Lectio Divina, which is a way, a sacred way of reading scripture that is simple and easy to approach. And then we talked about the things that we would like to do. And they actually, for two hours, paid very good attention. There was only three fights in that time frame, which for us is like 110% better. So, But I wanted to read you some of the things on that list because I think it's interesting and I think you might think it's interesting. How, do, how does someone practice the way of Jesus when they leave their house? How does an 18-year-old leave a house and think, I know, I know how to actually practice the way of Jesus? Most people don't know that. Most people, please don't take this the wrong way, most people in this room are uncomfortable with that concept. Next thing, how has God made me? Are there gifts inside me to serve the world? Next thing, How do you deal with what's happening on the inner world of your life? Depression, anxiety, fear, excitement. How do you work into those things? Next thing, resilience. How do you how do you make someone be resilient? Because I'm about to make my kids be resilient. You don't even you don't even know. Next thing, humility. Interesting (laughs) follow-up. This one I wrote, not self-hate. I don't want anybody hating themselves. That's not humility. But selflessness. There's a difference. And the next one was the most interesting one to me. How to make a decision. Just the simple idea. How do I make a decision? I'm not talking about what kind of drink I want for lunch. I'm like, if I have a boyfriend or girlfriend in my life, if I'm figuring out what sport to play, if any of that, should I go to this thing? Should I go to this college? What, go, what are the ingredients, to speak of food, what are the ingredients of a decision? I think that's a fascinating conversation. I'm actually really excited to talk with anybody about that. Because if you have a good idea in that, I would love to hear it. I think we're going to hear things like, it's got to be biblically based. You're going to want to talk to some wise people. Who are wise people? That's your next question there, especially for a 15-year-old. Well, who are the wise people in my life other than mommy and daddy? And sometimes that's not even true. So it's like, so what do you do? Anyway, friendships. What do spiritual friendships look like? 
How many adults don't know how to differentiate that there is actually a gift of friendship spiritually where people can grow together towards Christ and have conversations about the heart and life of God? How many people, how many people want a friendship where they can do that with somebody? Raise your hand. Okay, you have to go find somebody that room. Just kidding. All right, uh, wisdom. What does wisdom look like? Mission and service. What is that even? When, and that we said this to them. We said mission and service is one of our goals. And they were like, what does that even mean? This, so it's working already, actually. Um, listening. How do you listen to other people? How, what, are, what are active skills of listening where you're listening to actually hear and understand, not just to say what you want to say? And then identity, which actually relates to the second one. And then the last one, I didn't know how to put this one, so I wrote the word joyful. So... If anyone wants to help me with joyful, that would be really great. But I would love for our kids to live in the delight of the Father and not always stressed, right? We live in such a culture of stress. So as I thought about these things today, I thought about this is why really this heart of bringing together, for me personally, this should be not just something we do at a church. This should be how we live our lives. And then I thought about the church and how we've been talking about prayer. Prayer for me is a thing that the people of God should, should know and be comfortable with, but most of the time aren't. And we've traveled through three basic topics so far from the book A Praying Life. The first one is prayer is like being childlike. And sometimes we adult our prayer. And the, I kind of threw out kind of an interesting question, which was if somebody were to ask you who Jesus is, you'd probably say something like, Jesus is good. He's a good shepherd. He's a loving father. He cares for me. I have a relationship with him. But then if you were to talk about when you enter prayer, what does that look like? It would look different than that. It would look more like I feel uh, like a stalemate. I feel uh, quiet. I feel like my mind wanders almost instantly. And, And we take this idea of adulting prayer instead of really bringing into prayer who and what we really are. Father, I am losing my mind right now. I can't sit still. I'm wandering. I'm feeling like I'm a bad prayer. These are the entries into prayer. And children would do that no problem. To be childlike with Jesus is to say what's really happening. They have a oneness with how uncomfortable and off they are, and it does not bother them. Children can say things that adults can't. Like I told you last week, there's a kid that walks through the halls just smiling huge, just so big. And if it was an adult, we'd all be like, what's wrong with that person? Don't they know they're not supposed to be happy? Kids don't care. They're just just walking. He's happy to walk, to have delight. Last week, we talked about cynicism. And somebody actually, thank you for the help. You actually put a word to this that I remembered from my history of Christianity, which is stronghold. And I talked about cynicism as a cultural climate. It felt like more than just a thing like we need to be aware of, but I think it's an actual stronghold. And I think stronghold to me means it's bigger than just something we need to not do. It's it's got its roots in us. We are cynical by nature. We assume the worst. We assume people have the wrong motive. And, And a lot of times that's true, but as the people of God, He's inviting us out of that because it's hard to interact with prayer if you believe he's not going to answer it. I mean, honestly, like who wants to pray? If your true belief is that he has no desire to hear you or answer it, it's really, it would be hard to do that, which is where a lot of people are at. So the six things that kind of helped people out of that, I'm just going to 
crank through these super quick. Uh, be warm but not wary. This is the idea of uh, we're not called to be sheep amongst, or called to be wolf amongst wolves. We're still to be sheep, but to have wisdom. The next one was learn to hope again. That hope is actually a very big part of the heart of God. Hope is something that our whole culture doesn't really do well. Next thing is cultivate a childlike spirit. I've talked so much about that, right? What, what makes a child a child? And it's just the ability to say what they're thinking and be who they are and not care and tell you if your breath stinks and, and tell you that they don't want to do it and, and then tell you, I'm never doing it, I'm never doing it, I'm never doing it, I'm never doing it, and then do it. And then you're like, yeah, it's just because they're a child. And you don't dislike them anymore because they're children, right? Children, you, there's grace for children that we need to recognize that's the same kind of grace that's being offered to us by our Father. He's not looking for perfection from us, right? The next thing is cultivate a thankful spirit. The songs today really embodied that. We can be thankful for so much, for them, so much more than we think. Cultivate repentance. This is a deep heart cry of mine. It's something God is really working with me on to not talk about how the church needs to repent, but to embody it as a human is a very different thing. To not just call out what's broken, but to say, I'm actually broken here. I struggle with pride. I compare our church to other churches and then think, oh, I failed. I know that's not right. I know it's awful and ugly. But cultivating repentance looks like looking inward and then inviting Jesus into that. Not looking outward and telling people where Jesus is. That's what we do. Anyway, developing an eye for Jesus is today's. That was the longest intro in the world. So today's is going to be simply developing an eye for Jesus. I'm just going to have you say that back to me on the count of three. One, two, three. So this is very important because I'm going to read you Philippians first. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. If you have your Bible, you can open it up. This is the ESV up there and here. All right. So we're going to be in this maybe a couple weeks. But this passage is a passage Paul is writing to a community of people because this community he cares about has started to step into some behaviors that might not be helpful for them to bear witness. And the church's role in a city is not to just be a cell that's away from people. I actually don't think that's the goal of the church at all. But I think the church's goal in the city is to bear witness to Jesus. We should be bearing witness with everything that we do to the character and nature of God in our city. And so Paul here is recognizing from a community that he would say this is the beloved people of God. He would say this, I love you, that he needs to actually talk about a few things that are happening that are possibly keeping them from actually bearing witness to Christ and loving one another and becoming the kind of community that's not perfect because there is no perfect community, right? There are people in other churches needing healing from this church. It's hard to say that. There are people in those churches needing healing from other churches. There's no perfect community. I had a picture this week of our entire church moving towards Jesus through imaginative prayer, which was the discipline in our ETS that we all were going after. And I just, sometimes for me, I close my eyes and I imagine Jesus in a situation. And I had this picture of all of us. Like, how, God, how does this body, this eclectic body, how do we actually live and breathe and have our being in you and unity? And it only happens, and in my picture, we all had to actually face Jesus and be approaching him. Or there's too many other things to divide. And so this community had began to struggle with some things. And 
I'm just going to read from here because I'm not going to find it. I'm going to feel really embarrassed that I can't find it quick enough in front of you guys. So, so here I go. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than ourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in him, human, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that. Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Can I get an amen? That's good stuff. I'm going to pray. Jesus, for the next few moments, I've already prayed this maybe 70 times this morning. I want this group of people to hear what you want them to hear. And this is your living word. It's active. It's meant to form us. It's meant to read us. It's not just a stale historical approach to who you are. It's a living encounter with the Logos. It's a living encounter with the Word of God, who is Jesus. This book is, in, is important because of Jesus. And God, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus was what you intended all along. And as we saw him, as he came 2,000 years ago, we were able to see more clearly what it is that you're trying to say to us, how it is that you'd like to approach us. So I thank you for his witness the truest witness ever, to show us. When we're all confused about what is it like to, to follow Jesus, what is it like to be Christian, we have an actual example. And then you, you put it on men's hearts to write this out in depth after years and years of ruminating on it. And we have it in this book now, in the Gospels. And we hear it traveling through the churches and the epistles. And we thank you that we get to read it. Because it's informing our very personhood about how to be alive. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there's a few things that happen here really quickly that he, he has to attack. Selfish ambition has worked its way into the church. I know nobody's shocked by that, but right? Like, okay, so, so it happened then. Selfish ambition is always, always, always a high risk for any human in leadership. And then you attach it to following God in a culture that really likes the idea of power. How do you separate that from the church? It's also one of the main reasons people in this room are cynical towards Christianity right now. is because we've all seen the leaders that have done it the wrong way, whose kingdoms seem to be more about themselves than Jesus's. And here's just kind of a sad note to that. I believe this kind of gospel, the good kind, the kind where people are following Jesus and pointing only to him, is happening all over the world. But it's not in the news. Because by its very nature, it wouldn't want to be. 
So we can't just grade what we think is happening with Christianity from the ones that are on the news. Those are the ones that want to be, right? You don't, it's like the people in your life that you know embody the character of Jesus. You see it. You, you know when you see it, and you know when you don't. I've been around people before, like you have, that have been in leadership for Jesus and done things you're like, I absolutely know that's not. I had a conversation with a guy in a bathroom once when he came to speak at a conference at our church. Might have been 15 years ago. He would not talk to me because I was the youth pastor. I knew instantly, this is not, this, this is not right, right? But I also knew that he was in a system that that was a norm. It's not right. But I also had within me the desire to be big time in ministry. So I wouldn't have put myself in a church that had the right things happening. I'm, pre- I'm preaching literally to myself right now. Right? Where do these things happen? Where do we see the true nature of Jesus? We know when we see it. You see it in your friendships. I see it in Bill a lot. Bill does quiet connection with serving people. I see it in the way that Kara thinks through what you might need. I see it all the time in my wife. All the time. It's so annoying. Literally. (laughs) She embodies this way to truly be present. It's really hard for me to be present. And to like, I can be present, but to sit and listen for a long period of time, it's really hard. I, I, I do a lot of active praying in those things. Like, God, just make me a human that can actually be a human right now and care about what's happening. Is that terrible to say? <laughs> it's just the truth. But I see it in Sarah so much. I see it in the way that she parents our kids. When I want a hard line to be done, and it should be done. Just I'm, For anybody in, the, in this uh, that would think it doesn't, it probably needs to be done. Um, but she has a way of seeing beyond that into the nature of what's happening that I think just takes the kind of wisdom that only Jesus can get. She's long-suffering in it. I see it in, uh, I see it in the way that our friends from the church and our network have helped in the Ukraine, the Good News Church in the Ukraine, who we became friends with, and then... See, this is why for me, Jesus is real. You see what's happening in the Ukraine. It's very easy to say, well, why would that be happening? Because it's evil for sure. But then you see the church in that area trying to purchase vehicles to drive into areas being bombed to pick people up to take them to safety. Is Jesus in that area? I know where Jesus is in that area. He's in his body. And his body is selflessly helping and moving. You see it when it's real. And for us, what cynicism does is it draws our eyes to the cracks and it frames the future within the framework that Jesus will not be in it. So a crack would stay a crack. And it's like, it is like crack. It's addictive to focus on that in any scenario. But especially for some reason in Christianity, when we see the wrong thing, we highlight it, we talk about it, we make podcasts about it, we write books about it. But are we helping? What if the purpose of the church is to recognize where the presence of Jesus is? And not just to prove a point that Jesus is real, but to know where to even move and act. What if we knew within our city where Jesus is actively moving all the time? What if we were so in tune with that part of his nature and less in tune with how terrible this person is for not doing this or this church that I was raised in just didn't do it? And I understand that's very not compassionate to say it that way. 
But I think I'm at a point in my walk where it's time to start looking where Jesus is. Is it more important to celebrate the life of Christ or to talk about where we're not seeing it? Now, this to me is not the same thing as talking about racism, which needs to be eradicated. It's, it's more like the gossip that happens when we see something we shouldn't have or when someone leaves a church. I just, I feel like I'm in danger right now for what I'm about to say. And Sarah is not here. So I'll just tell you what I know. Whenever someone comes to talk to me when they've come to our church and in the first couple conversations, they've told me eight things they disliked about their previous church, I know that within a couple months, they're going to be having the same conversation with someone else. So I don't say that to say those people are bad. I would say that to say, if you find yourself ruminating on all of the brokenness from the previous spiritual environments, it's time to slow the roll, get some healing. That's not Christ's intention for you. And those people are off and need to be prayed for. And if there's abuses happening, they need to be called out and they need to be eradicated, 100%. But we don't, we don't need to carry the gospel as if we do this thing where we carry what the gospel isn't as if it's the gospel. It's on the church sign sometimes. We're not the church down the street, or we do better than they do, or we're not like that church you came from. I'm like, what are you even trying to say? What is that even about? And that would have actually enticed me in the beginning. Oh, that's not like that church? That's awesome. Because when that happens, I'm in no man's land right now. When that happens, what we, so what we do is we don't step into the heart and life of God. We step into performance to do better than they did. And that actually looks good at first. And that's actually how a lot of churches are planted. And partially ours was planted that way. And it takes a lifetime for Jesus to work into the fabric of our desires. And so we don't always know what we desire or why we're doing what we're doing, but we can look for where Jesus' life is actively being lived out. So let's look for the presence of Jesus. Paul says, remember Christ when you're trying to frame this. Restrain your heart from that, but also reframe what's happening in your heart and your eyes. Who is Jesus? What does he look like? Who is Jesus? What does he look like? We don't have to focus on the cracks, but look for the presence of Jesus. Jesus in the Gospels lived such the opposite of what they wanted a king to live that he was so hidden. If there was a photo book of Jesus, there was one time he was in front of somebody famous, and it was to almost be executed. He was not in search of some type of a status. He wasn't desiring to be known. It wasn't important that people, that he made sure people knew he was powerful. That wasn't what he did. He lived in such a humble way, it was easy to glance over. As he showed up, this is the most interesting thing about the Gospels to me, is he would literally say the thing that we read, and he's like, he's, he's actually, he's not like referring to it through a weird metaphor. He's like, I am going to die. And they were confused. And we look at that and we're like, well, he's literally said it the whole time. But are there ways in which we do that as well that we just can't read yet? Are there ways in which their dependence on him, even though they didn't understand, needed the framework of time to build it out? Dependence and eyes on Jesus. Look for Jesus. Where is he working? What does his nature look like? What kind of person would a, a Jesus follower look like? And without going into here's what they shouldn't look like, I think it looks something like the inner world of a human 
and the outer world or the face or facade or their performance that we put on actually coming together. I talked about this a little bit last week. The high places coming low, the low places coming high. There's like a, a union between this inner self of Josh and the outer self of what you see, which is, there's probably still a distance there, right? Like in all of us. Like what if all of what was really in you, everyone knew right now? That's not the, the <laughs> Kara's like, no, 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 no. I don't think that's how he wants to make it. It's not like, see how bad y'all are. I think when there's a connection with enough of how much you truly depend on him, the only response to that is humility. I think that's it. And as soon as you start to think, I deserve this about anything, you're, you're probably in danger of stepping into pride and then some kind of a fall. There was a church leader historically called Ambrose, and there's, there's stories like this that don't make sense to my brain, of, of leadership being handed to someone because it was their time, and them literally losing their lives because they felt like they didn't deserve it. Like, this person, Ambrose, actually ran from the people that were calling him to be leader, and he would say, I'm too unworthy for anything. And if, it wasn't a show. It wasn't being filmed by somebody. Like, look how humble he is. Because that's what we would do. We, I, I would do that and be like, I'm so... I'm just so humble at this. I don't really, but I'll, I mean, I guess I'll do it, you know? I mean, if you need me to do it. But like, there's this history of Christians that really felt like, no, this is not something a human can embody. This is, I am not ready for this. How many of us have sat nights upset because we deserve more than we got? Or we deserve a role or a position? It's hard, right? It's hard to even talk about in our framework. But Ambrose was like, he couldn't, he couldn't fathom that God would have him. That's the kind of leader I want to follow. I want to follow a leader that can't even fathom how God would select them. But we'll do it out of faithfulness, right? Not out of show. No type of, they're not trying to get their own ministry van, you know, JTM or whatever your initials would be on that. I know, I, now I just feel confused. So here, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to wrap it up because I've, I've gone a little long, but I want you to just spend some time because if this, this is about prayer, how does this even relate to prayer? Well, I would say this. There's actually multiple brands of prayer and types of prayer that actually your starting point is recollecting the goodness of God in your previous day. There's one that's called the prayer of examine, which you literally travel through your previous day and you try and find the presence of Jesus anywhere. And if you can find it anywhere, sit in it. And then there's another one that prays into the future with Jesus. I love this one. It's so good for me. It imagines scenarios. It's imaginative prayer where Jesus can now be in it. You're praying for a friend who doesn't know Jesus or is hurting. You actually close your eyes and you pray and you invite Jesus into that scenario in your mind's eye. Bring such life to prayer. Imagining Jesus where he is in your life, historically, now, future. These are ways that the church traveled through centuries, and many people knew how to do these things. My goal in these spaces of teaching is not to wow you. I pray that you're not wowed, but I pray that you're drawn into a deeper commitment with the kinds of tools you need to live and have your, breathe, have your life in this world. What does it look like for you to keep company with Jesus when you're not here? 
What does it look like for you to sit with someone who's mourning? What does it look like to pray for someone who needs healing? What does it look like to talk about? All those things to me are so important, which is what makes preaching important to me. It's an invitation into deeper things. And so if you'll stand with me, we are for the first time going to take communion, Eucharist, as a body where, like we used to do it. For those that are not ready for that, we have the elements on the back table that you can grab and go to your seat. For those who are ready, the way that we used to do it was we would have three groups of people who you approach, you take a piece of bread and you dip it in the juice and they actually speak something over you. This is beautiful. And so I'm going to lead you in the liturgy for communion. And then after that, you'll see a really, really janky directions of how to get where you're going. And Jesus, as I read this, I pray that your presence would be experienced in this room. That we're not doing this about you historically, even though we remember. But we invite you into this space. So on the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. We're going to say this together, okay? Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Lord God of our fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, open our eyes to see your hand at work in the world about us. Deliver us from the presumption of coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. Let the grace of this holy communion make us one body, one spirit in Christ, that we may worthily serve the world in his name. Risen Lord, be known to us in the breaking of the bread. Accept these prayers and praises, Father, through Jesus Christ, our great high priest, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit, your church gives honor, glory, and worship from generation to generation. Amen.
joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.